everyone. Welcome to Facebook Live with my really good friend and creative collaborator, Dan Sullivan. Dan, I'm really excited to talk today because it is a year since the pandemic was called. And it's been a year for me tomorrow since the last time I was in the office. So I think we're going to have a really interesting conversations in terms of some reflections. And one of the things I know that you know I want to talk about is how quickly you adapted and responded. I think we can have a really rich conversation. It's been a year, as people are saying. Also, I'm Shannon Waller. And as of this summer, it will be 30 years, Dan, that we've worked together at Strategic Coach and love the conversations that I get to have with you in so many different areas. So, Dan, let's reflect back to a year ago when we made the call to not do live workshops because of you know, things starting to lock down and shut down. You had a really interesting thinking process that you went through that allowed you to respond faster than anyone else I know or met or have talked to about the whole thing. So can you talk about that? Because it continues to impress me, as I know that you know. It is actually a really good strategy for other really challenging situations. Yeah, well, first of all, I've had other scary situations in my life. As a matter of fact, I was born in 1944, so this was the last year of the Second World War, and I was actually born two weeks before the invasion of Normandy, which was in the Second World War. That was a big event, you know, and all the people that I knew when I was growing up as children had very vivid recollections of not only the Second World War, but the Great Depression. My mother had been in the Spanish flu epidemic. Her household was quarantined for three months, so they couldn't leave their house for three months. Mm -hmm. I'm kind of a history buff. My mother got me reading very early, and she encouraged me to read history and to read books about geography and a lot of books. So I've always had an early connection with big events in the world, you know, like lots of big things have happened. And when I was 30, I became an entrepreneur. I'll be 77 in May, so it's been 47 years. You know, you have to adjust to changes in the marketplace. You have to adjust to what clients and customers are looking for. And I was an advertising writer and the big agency. And the one thing I learned very, very quickly at the ad agency is that what you did yesterday doesn't matter. What are you going to do today? So there's always new challenges, new jobs. You know, I thrive on this. So I guess you get the life you choose after a while in terms of what you like responding to. But this is what I would say since we started the company and you've been with Strategic Coach almost as long as Bab Smith and I. Babs is my lifetime partner and my business partner. You know, we've had ups and downs, and we've had financial downturns in the market. We had an epidemic, SARS, which really interrupted our Canadian business, and that's our headquarters. So I kind of have an attitude that unpredictable things are sort of a normal part of life if you're going to be an entrepreneur. And all of our clients are entrepreneurs, so, you know, different kinds of surprises are always happening to them. So I've just sort of normalized it. I would start right there in answering your question, Shannon, is that I don't consider like what happened last year at this time, I don't consider it abnormal. I consider, well, these kind of things happen in this world and you've done it enough times now that it shouldn't paralyze you, it shouldn't stop you. And what you do is you immediately flip and say, okay, 
this is the obstacle, but what's the opportunity? Because I always find when something changes, there's a negative side to it, but there's also a positive side. And I've handled the negative long enough that I just immediately switch to the positive. There's something about not being paralyzed. We saw so many people just frozen emotionally, you know, mentally, physically, they were locked down. So that's really interesting, Dan. And so I think my impression of you has been that you're like, okay, this is new, this is different. And it was unpredictable, but you didn't automatically label it as being bad, right? Because it had both elements. There were challenges, but there are also amazing opportunities, which you have done a brilliant job, must say, of maximizing and alerting other people to what the opportunities are, which is really great. So let's go back to the plane ride home from Chicago Mm -hmm. a year ago, because the team had made the decision, Babs let you know about workshops being effectively Monday, you weren't going to be coaching back in Toronto because we were both in Chicago. So talk about what you did in your mind to kind of come to grips quickly with this. Well, first of all, I have a division of labors. So there's two parts to our company and the way you can think about it It's like a live theater, you know, like on Broadway or live theater. So there's two aspects of it. You have the theater itself and the business of the theater and all the team that has to be in the theater, all parts of the theater. And then you have what's on stage. So in the partnership I have with Bab Smith, my wife and partner, I am in charge of what new shows are going to be on stage, and Babs is in charge of everything else. So right off the bat, I was told about the decision. At first, we just weren't going to have workshops until June. So we were at March, so it's basically a full quarter, you know, but this was already handled before I was informed of it. You know, (laughs) Babs was talking to you, you're a key person in the company, and we have key decision makers in the company. And they had been just looking at the workshop attendance over the previous week or so. We're losing half our attendance, and we're getting worried phone calls coming in from clients and, you know, on behalf of their families and their teams, they just didn't want them getting on a plane and traveling. And meanwhile, I don't think we really cued into it, but a couple of days before the 13th, it had been announced that this was now an epidemic in the United States. But I was told about it, you know, because I was very busy that week with workshops. I had to be on stage and I had an audience and I had to perform and I had to deliver. But then we were flying from Chicago back to Toronto and I was kind of tired and I said, hmm. I had really gotten a handle on Zoom over the previous five years. As a company, I think we were ahead of the game because we have teams in three countries and our coaches all live in different parts of the world. And we have team members who are at a distance. From our end, we kind of knew what to do with Zoom. The only problem was not many other people in the world were doing it. The epidemic made a decision on our behalf for them, that strategic coach can do Zoom events, we can communicate. Now, all the rest of you, you have to switch over to Zoom. Well, I I think we responded really well, but the world just compelled our whole entrepreneurial world of business owners. They were told, you're going to have to switch to virtual. And I took that into account. The next morning, it was Saturday morning, and I got up. And I was just thinking, I said, you know, I have a feeling this is an opportunity to make incredibly fast progress in a way that we could never have done 
under normal circumstances. We would just never have made the switch. And I said, I just think this is a once in a lifetime opportunity. Shannon, if I'm kind of telling you, you know, what my mindset was, I had a feeling that there was no time to be wasted. We had to take advantage of every week, every month, every quarter while this was in effect because yeah. of the enormous progress that we could make. And now it's turned out to be a full year. We never expected it to be a full year. So I was thinking maybe it's three months, but we can make incredible progress in three months. Just jump ahead in time almost in terms of this virtual capability. And I said, then we'll go back to in-person, but we'll learn so much while we're down that a lot of it will be new and it'll last. And so I had sort of an urgency not to waste any of the time that was being made available to us doing this. I love that. And I think one of the other things that you had mentioned to me is that on the plane and the way home, kind of what you were saying at the beginning, you reflected on other situations that had happened that were unpredictable that you had responded well to, which is just a phenomenal, I've actually used it as a strategy since you mentioned that to me, Dan. It was like, where else have I handled not this situation, but other challenging situations like this? Well, not poorly. And you kind of do, well, we would call it a positive focus. And that gives you some of the confidence and strength that you can respond. So can you speak to that for a moment? Because I found it incredibly practical to know that that's specifically what you did to come to grips with this. Yeah. So as an entrepreneur, I started being a coach in the marketplace in 1974. In the first five years, I was divorced. Mm -hmm. I had just gotten married and I was divorced. I was bankrupt. I went through a bankruptcy and I went through three major orthopedic operations. I broke both of my Achilles tendons and I tore my meniscus, all of which were, you know, general surgery operations and I was on crutches. Meanwhile, I was out on my own starting an entrepreneurial business. So those were the first five years of my entrepreneurial career. I haven't had a five-year period since to match the uncertainty and the insecurity and the anxiety of those first five years. And I got through it. I got through it. So I went back and I just, over the next couple of days, I just went back and say, okay, this happened. Why did you get through it? This happened. Why did you get through it? And the whole point is that I said, there's a lot of things I don't know about what's going to happen here, but insofar as I can plan my day, insofar as I can have my thoughts about what I'm creating for other people, you know, in other words, I'm getting paid by other people to provide a service. So my personal life is one part of my life, but as far as my coaching customers and clients, that's not their business. I mean, they're not living my life. So the degree to which I can carve out every day a period where I'm actually creating value and I'm I'm actually, my focus is on someone else, and then review it at the end of the day and say, you know, that was a winning day. And I do this today, and I say, I think I can do that tomorrow. So what happens, and I told you this during the first two months, I said, I'm just operating 24 hours to 24 hours here. I don't have high beams on right now. I'm just looking, what can I possibly do and contribute? And you have to understand, I was alone in the 1970s. Mm -hmm. We have a team of 110 people. Mm -hmm. We have 16 coaches who have 16, 17 years experience. You have 
close to 30 years experience in the program. We have a leadership team that has Mm -hmm. 15, 20, 25 years experience. I said, I'm just part of the action here. I just have to pay attention to my part of the action. There's lots of great contributors here. So I had the reassurance that I had this big team. And I said, I just don't want to let down the team. You know, wherever the team is depending on me, then I want to fully give them confidence that Dan is delivering during this time, you know. Yeah. It's interesting to me, Dan, because you figured out what you did have control over, or you've been talking about certainty, uncertainty. So you realize you control over your only daily schedule. You really shortened your time frame to deal with the uncertainty to 24 hours. We all have control over our 24 yeah. hours. Yeah. You didn't focus on what you couldn't control, and you focused on other people and how you could create value for the team and for our clients. And you and I got to hang out a lot on Zoom, which was really fun, doing our scary times turned from a basically a two-page 11 by 17 handout to an online handout to, and we'll post it in the chat, by the way, to a two-part audio podcast to a 12-part audio series that then later turned into a video series and a book. And a book, yeah. 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 The interesting thing is I became aware that there was a bonus. I got all my travel time back. Yes. Didn't have to go to the office. Normally, we would be going to Chicago, you know, flying to Chicago. And I said, wow, wow, all that travel. I mean, even on a daily basis, you know, I mean, we live in Toronto, a main office in Toronto, but with traffic and everything else, by the time you get ready to go to the office, it's about 45 minutes before you're actually there and 45 minutes in good traffic. So I said, I got an hour and a half back times five days a week. I just got the equivalent of a full day, a week back. And then the air traffic, that was six, seven hours, you know, till you've arrived at the other end yourself, seven hours. So I said, wow, I got a lot more time now than I had when things were normal. So I, I just start stockpiling What's on my side? I know what's opposing me, but what's on my side? Mm -hmm. You go digging and you say, I got a lot of things. And not only that, but all the teamwork. There were no more meetings in the office. There were no more scheduled meetings. We can do our recordings on Zoom. So I just looked. I said, some things have been taken away, but some new things have been given. I said, let's just focus on and take advantage of the new things that are given. You know, mm-hmm. There's nothing I can do about the things that have been taken away, so why spend nervous energy on it? So how can we, by the 1st of June, just totally transform this, regardless of what happens after the 1st of June? And then as we discovered, oh, it's going to be till September, and then it's going to be till New Year's and now we're still, we're here a year down the road and mm-hmm. there's still a great deal of uncertainty. So I just said, stop worrying about it. It'll happen when it happens and just maximize the opportunity that you have and just get as good as you possibly can with an entirely new way of managing the company and also of providing coaching to the world. And as it turns, we created a brand new virtual global workshop program And we have over 100 clients that we ordinarily wouldn't have had because they don't have to travel to come to Strategic Coach. So Australia for us has suddenly become a big market because, you know, the travel sacrifice for people coming even from Sydney to Los Angeles. I mean, it's like five-day turnaround for a one-day workshop. Uh, Now they can move from the kitchen to their study and make three clicks and they're in Strategic Coach. So... 
I said, this is our future. I said, we'll have in-person, but by far the biggest growth area of our future as a strategic coach company worldwide. That all got developed during the last 12 months. Mm -hmm. It's so fun. People who've been wanting to do coach, but found the obstacles in the way prohibitive, all of a sudden they're like, yay. I mean, time zones still matter, but less than a five-day turnaround. We have India, you know, we have Russia. Kuala Lumpur. Kuala Lumpur, yeah. And they love it. You know, they just love it. I mean, we have workshops where there's like 16, 17 different countries represented, and they love it. We had just had our coaches in for the first time as a group in a year, and they're loving it too. So what's there not to like? I like it. There are four characteristics that you often talk about, and we often use it in terms of team members, but you, our team, our clients who are thriving, you know, it's alert, curious, responsive, and resourceful. Those are just four terms that are just so useful to know, like paying attention, wanting to know more, being curious, being responsive rather than frozen, Mm -hmm. and then being really resourceful about what you do have access to rather than what you don't. I mean, I know you love those four words because we've talked about them a lot, but would you agree? Is that sort of what you've noticed? And I think entrepreneurs over the course of a career, entrepreneurs, you know, when you decide to leave the world of employment and you go out on your own, after a very short period of time, it's a life sentence because one is, even if you're not succeeding in the way that you thought you were going to succeed, you kind of like the freedom Mm -hmm. And going back and being told what to do and having your time managed by other people, it's really, really hard. You know, it becomes hard. And if you're out there for four or five years, how do you explain that gap in your employment? So I said, you have to understand that when you go entrepreneurial, it's a life sentence. And therefore, you can't compare your life. You can't compare how you're going forward in the future with people who have chosen employment. And 19 out of 20 people choose to have other people tell them what to do with their time. And entrepreneurs choose that they'll take on the freedom of their own time at the risk that they also have to supply their own financial security and their family and everything. So What I say to them is, you know, you got to be more alert than other people. You got to be more curious. You got to be more responsive and you have to be more resourceful because nobody's creating your future for you. Nobody's creating your security for you. You have to do that for yourself. And I said, you just have to be more on the ball. You have to be on top of things. And I like it. My father was an entrepreneur and nobody in my family, I have uh, six siblings, none of them are entrepreneurs. But I always kind of admired my dad. My father controlled his time, you know, and he was a good salesperson and he controlled the flow of money. And I said, when you get older, why wouldn't you want to do this? So I was kind of attracted to it very early. When I became an entrepreneur, of course, I jumped in the deep end of the pool and I I barely knew how to keep my nose above water for the first four or five years. But that was the roughest part of my life. Those five years were just, Mm -hmm. they were grueling. I mean, they were just grueling. But never once, uh, Shannon, during that time, did I ever think that I wouldn't continue being an entrepreneur. That's very cool. I've heard you talk about it. You're like, well, I may not have figured it out yet, but it is, it's out there. (laughs) 
the opportunity is there. Dan, it always gets a laugh in the workshop when we tell people, you tell people you're no longer employable. They'll go like, oh yeah, that would be me. Well, um, they, they can laugh all they want, but none of them are employable either. <laughs> That's why it's funny. There's a couple of comments in the chat that I want to share. Susan makes a really great point. And Susan, thank you for bringing this up. She says, I'm having my best year ever. In some weeks, it feels a little unreal. How can I quickly level up my comfort with bigger successes? And this, I think part of it is not comparing yourself to other people because some people feel guilty for their even bigger success this year than ever before. It's a very fundamental question you're asking. Mm -hmm. And I see a lot of turmoil with entrepreneurs because they never quite get their thinking straight on this. And the thing is, you've got to be super, super careful now about who you surround yourself with. Mm. So if you are having a great year and you're surrounded by people who aren't having a great year, you will undermine your own success so that you're not unacceptable or insulting to them, okay? Remember, when you jump to a new level of success, you also have to create a complete new support community around you. If you're having a really great year, you've got to start hanging out with people who are having a really great year. That's so true, Dan. Yeah. And people say, well, how can you just do that? And I said, well, you've been doing this since first grade. I mean, do you still every year go to your first grade reunion of everybody was? I mean, we leave people behind all the time. OK, it's just that when people get into their adult lives, they sort of say, well, now I'm settled. No, not if you're going to keep growing. No, you're going to meet new people. And it's a chance to really see what constitutes a lifetime friendship. I mean, it's probably not based on economics. You just really like the person. So all the people you really like really stay in touch with them. And if they're having a difficult year, you help them like you do with friends. But if it's just a social setting and you're the successful entrepreneur and they're having trouble in their jobs and their employment, then you have to understand that if you've got 20 people that you're used to, but none of them share your experience, guess what? There's 20 people you haven't met who totally share your experience and they'd love to interact with you. But it's painful because you're an outlier. You know, entrepreneurs are outliers. Okay. Mm -hmm. It's the opposite of conforming. You're living a life that's the opposite of conforming. So you don't have to be lonely. You can be an outlier without being lonely. Mm. You have to have outlier friends. You have to have outlier support network. Mm -hmm. Great point, Dan. We've got a couple more minutes, a couple other great comments from our friend Chad. Hi, Chad. Acting quickly on the opportunity while everyone else is in the let's wait and see mode is what gives some of us great advantage as entrepreneurs. P.S. Nobody executes better Zoom workshops than strategic coach. So thank you for that, Chad. And then Jeffrey says the 100 days that I changed to 60 days for our business action plan was critical to our success in 2020. So a lot of people like you, Dan, are when they respond quickly and move to take advantage of that opportunity rather than the let's wait and see attitude. Those are the people, well, goes back to alert, curious, responsive, resourceful are the ones who are experiencing some of that success. You know, what I try to create for our clients are questions that enable them to see things from a different perspective. And one that just came up in the workshops this week, and it's a real winner because of the results I got. And I said, you know, the way you read it in the news media and the way people are talking, well, we're almost through with this, you know, we'll have our vaccines and then things will kind of return to normal. And I said, 
Well, maybe. And I says, but here's another way of looking at what if last year was just a taster of the next 25 years and we're going to have 25 bad years in a row? Okay. And I said, first of all, in history, that's happened. You know, people who were in the flu epidemic of 1918 to 1920, and then they didn't have a great 1920s. They went through the Great Depression. They went through the Second World War. For a lot of people, that was a bad 25 years in a row. So I say, I know historically that there have been bad centuries (laughs) in history. And I said, so if this was just the first of 25 bad years, you as an entrepreneur, you as an individual, how would you think about that now so that for you, it was actually a really great next 25 years, regardless of what happened to anyone else? And they said, oh, oh. And I said, well, how many of you are planning to live the next 25 years anyway, regardless of what happens? Okay, so how much control do you have over what happens in the world? Like zero. Right. And I said, but how much control do you have over what happens inside your head and what happens during your next 24 hours as much as you want to have? So I said, I can't control world events. I can't control the economy of my country. I can't control the weather. I can't control. But as far as how I think about things, I can control that. And as far as my time, I control that for the next 24 hours. And if I do it well today, I'll feel more confident about doing it tomorrow. So that's how I look at things. You know, I'm 76, so I've had three 25-year periods. I know what a 25-year period is. So, you know, I've got 25-year skill. I know how to live through 25 years. So the whole point is that when people are really frightened and they're alarmed, is that's because they thought things were always going to be normal and good. It's probably not a useful way to look at the world. (laughs) I love that, Dan. And when you asked that in the workshop yesterday, the answers were so fast in my head. It was have financial stability and security. It was always focus on progress, not perfection. And it was focus on creating value with the people. And being a hero to other people. Exactly. And if I know I do that, I can have a phenomenal 25 years regardless of what happens outside that. So to my mind, it's not a pessimistic point of view. It's actually a very optimistic point of view. So awesome wisdom from this last year, Dan. So thank you very much for sharing that with us. Great to hear your input and your insights as always. Shannon, it's always a pleasure. Thank you.